Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. All right, he is the outstanding general manager of your Arizona Coyotes. Rebuilding this organization. Lots of young talent, lots of draft picks coming up. Bill Armstrong, Dave Burns is out, Tim Rings filling in. How are you, Bill? I'm doing great, Gamble. Burnsy uh, bailed, huh? He's just done. Bailed, He's done yeah. for the holidays. You know, just like that. I mean, he takes a lot of time off. Oh, uh, come on. He's always taking off. I mean, what? Do you, what do you, some of us work. Some of us have to work every day, you know? You know you're what off, that's like? You're off next week. Yeah, but I didn't have to tell anybody that. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple days in there, too, so. Yeah, good. Good, good for you, Bill. Uh, uh, first of all, I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and hope you get to enjoy some time Thank with your, you. uh, your friends, your family, and all of that stuff. Uh, so Merry Christmas to you. You, but I do have a kind of, I do have a bone to pick with you. Ready? All right. All right. What do you notice about all of these wins that the Coyotes have? Toronto, Columbus, Florida, <laughs> Washington, Buffalo, New York, the Islanders, Carolina, Boston, Philly, the Islanders again. There's your ten yeah. wins. What do you notice about They're all those all wins? All in the Islanders division. What <laughs> you guys? You guys? You're ten and zero in the East, and you haven't won a game in the West. I know, I know. How odd is that? It's very odd. It's yeah. very odd. I, I have no idea why that happened, but um, yeah, we've uh, we played some good hockey of late. We just uh, last night was a little disappointing because we played a pretty pretty darn good game and hung around to the middle of the third period, and then uh, we just didn't get a puck out, and uh, it cost us. But uh, yeah, we've, we've we've played pretty good hockey lately, and a lot of entertaining hockey too. So it's been it's been yeah. fun to. Fun to be around the team. It is. Uh, it, it is just very odd. You guys have ten wins at all of them in the East. Just absolutely crazy. You haven't won a game in the West. I, I did have some issues with last night's game, and I know you guys. You hung around. There's, there's no question. You hung around till that third period. But just you, you, you guys can't make those type of mistake. Josh Brown bad turnover in his own zone. Uh, left Stone all alone. Vimelka makes a big save and bails him out. Chickering turns it over. Leads to a stone breakaway, shorthanded save there. Um, the Nemeth turnover, you know, that led to the the stone, re, you know, redirects the shot from Pietrangelo in front. Yeah. Uh, Gostabel leaves it for Chikrin, ends up being a three on one. Carrier scores. Keller turns it over on the power play. It's a two on one. Stone scores on a rebound. I felt bad for Vizmelka. I mean, it wasn't his fault at all. I mean, you guys got really, really sloppy with the puck last night. Yeah, we, we it wasn't it wasn't one of our strongest games that way. I think uh Veggie kinda made it look easy and kept us around. We we did have some turnovers last night. Um, you know, th- I mean I guess for for us when you play good teams sometimes they put you in that situation too. Uh I thought Vegas was pretty good. They 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 batted a lot of pucks out of the air. They they did actually a pretty darn good job at picking a lot of uh our pucks off. But in saying that we've gotta be way better too and I did feel as the game wore on, we started to take some more chances and get a little bit sloppier. So that's something we'll definitely have to clean up uh, next game. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big one against yeah. LA tomorrow night, so that's going to be a 
going to be a battle. L.A. is always a tough game for us and uh, should be a good battle. Yeah, and he, listen, even with that, as sloppy as you guys played, I can't believe Fisher scores, you know, the goal, his yep. first in nine games, and with eight minutes left, you know, puts in that rebound off the Boyd shot. With eight minutes left, it's a 3-2 game. And I'm, and I'm watching yeah. it, and I'm like, man, the Coyotes have been just so sloppy. You keep turning the puck over, just bad decisions. Three-on-ones, breakaways, two-on-ones. I mean, odd man rushes left and right, and, and with that being said, you're a go- you're a goal behind with eight minutes left in the game. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and not only that, we went on the power play. Uh, we didn't make a good pass, and they ended up scoring off it. But um, yeah, we we definitely had the chance to hang around and be in the game. So it's uh, it's uh, it certainly was a little disappointing. Um, you know, we we I think you know the one thing that we've been consistently we've taken bad penalties in our losses. And we've got to be we've got to be much smarter team in, in the second half of the season with with their taking penalties. Uh, it's just something that's cost us, and um, you know we rely on our goaltender to bail. So if we can clean up that, um, you know, uh, I believe we can take another step in the second half of the season. But uh, um, you know, it, it you know it's been a battle. It's been good. There's been a lot of good good little. Uh, I should say, I guess, proud moments for us with the Michellis of the world, the Gunthers and the Mosers and, and the McBains and, you know, some of our guys like Reg Malka taking a step forward again. So it's been, it's been promising. Uh, a lot of our, a lot of the young, good young players have played well. And, uh, I think also too, with the world juniors coming up, I got to watch a couple of our prospects play last night also too. And that was, uh, uh that was good to see Cooley and Gunther, uh, you know, really play well last night. You know, Bill, I thought uh, I thought I thought Fisher and Coach were real honest after the game last night. Just listening to them, you know, it's one thing it's one thing to have penalties that are born out of aggressive play, and maybe guys are just out there trying yeah. to make a play. But a bench minor, you know, too many men. You know, F- Fisher said we got to start using our brains, and then the coaches, attorneys, just like, hey, listen, it's just flat out stupidity. You know, so when you're when you're watching yeah. this from your position, you know, those are the ones that probably make you take the laptop and throw it across the room, right? I mean, because there's it's one thing to, it's one one thing to to, to 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 go into the box because a guy's trying to make a play. It's another thing when you do stuff like that. Yeah, it, it, you know, in, in penalties, you know, in the NHL, is you know, with the ref, I mean, they're, they're making calls. You know, there's way more penalties nowadays than there's ever you know have been in the game, and it, it keeps teams like gives a chance to you know come back in in the games, and it gives you a chance to kind of. Literally, just take over games because if your power play is dominant, it really is something that can win or lose you the game. Um, so I, I feel like for us, we we haven't taken advantage of it. I think we've 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 paid a huge price just because of the simple fact that we've taken so many bad penalties uh, over the first part of the season. But I think that's something we can work on and clean up and. Uh, and obviously play a smarter brand of hockey. Listen, for us to win, you know, everything's got to go right, uh, you know, and one of the things that we can fix is our penalties. If we do that, we'll we'll give ourselves a better chance to win. You know, I'm always just, you know, taking a look and just seeing what teams are looking for. I you know, I read about, you know, Edmonton and possible interest in Jacob yeah. Chikorin, but I just want to ask you, with, with as well as he's played, I mean, you've got to be pretty happy with that, no matter what the decision ends up being. Um, the fact that he got back into the lineup and he's played the way he's playing has to be good news for you guys. Well, it is. You know, uh, you know, it's just number one. I thought last year his season was just okay. 
Um, I didn't think that he played the way that, that, that uh, he played the year before. So coming back and, and what he's done in the short little spurt and how he's played has really helped our team, number one. But just great to see him back and uh, performing and pushing the envelope and giving us a chance to win every night. Uh, and he certainly makes a huge difference when he's in our lineup. So it's, it's been great to see. And hey, that's credit to him. He's... Uh, He's done a good job of getting back from his injuries, and he's also done a good job about the way he's approached it and been a true professional. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think that contract, too, right? He's under a good contract. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to look at that and, you know, just see where he's at right now. But it does put him in a position because of the contract. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of calls. Do you expect anything to happen sooner with him, or do you think that if there is a trade, it'll be more likely around the deadline? I think it's more likely around the deadline if it happens, just because of the simple fact that the, the majority of teams don't have cap room at this point, but they're occurring cap space as, as each day goes along. So uh, it, it'll definitely, for me, I think it has a better chance to happen right around the deadline. All right, Bill. Good uh, good luck tomorrow against the Kings. You're right. That's always a tough matchup. You guys have a, a few home games in a row now. You'll be home for uh, Los Angeles on Friday, then Tuesday, Colorado, and then a Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday, December 29th. So, yeah, so you got a nice little slate right there. Three great games coming up at the Mullet Arena for the Yotes. Okay, thanks for having me, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Bill. Appreciate it. That's Bill Armstrong, the GM of the Coyotes. Tough game last night. Turned the puck over a whole lot, you know, and, uh, you know, and still it's, it's a 3-2 game with eight minutes left because they, you know, they, they do play well. Um, you know, their talent is not equal to these other teams. So when they make mistakes like they did last night, he was talking about, he's talking about giving up the goal on a power play. That's when Keller turned it over, led to a two on one. They end up scoring big goal right there. You have a chance to tie it on the power play. They don't get it. So, you know, for the Yotes to win some of these games, you know, they, those mistakes can't happen. But it is an oddity when you look at the wins that they've had that every single win is in the East. And none of the wins are they have not beaten a team in the West this year. That's unbelievable. Crazy. All ten wins. All ten. <laughs> it just no, are, they, not know, beat anybody ten, are they are they actually ten and O against the East? I know all ten are are, are no. against the East. No. But they're not ten and zero against no, the East. No, but they've they've got the ten wins against the okay. East, which is really good. All right. All right, hard knocks last night. Michael Bidwell had some interesting things to say about his football team. We'll let you hear that next, right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I, mean, I wouldn't like call this taking a blowtorch to his team. But he, he's calling out his team a little bit. I mean, you can tell that Michael Bidwell on, on Hard Knocks last night criticized his team's efforts. Now, obviously, the Cardinals are in the midst of a miserable, miserable season. They've got four wins and ten losses. That's three games left. They could end up with 13 losses on the season, one of the worst seasons in the history of the Arizona Cardinals, one of the worst, if they lose these remaining three games. Um, they finish the season on the road against San Francisco. Their hope may be that the 49ers have absolutely nothing to play for. That could be their hope. But Michael Bid, well, let's let's waste no time. Let's get right to it. And Here, real quick, this was before the Bronco game. This Keep is before mind. the Bronco yeah. game. Here is Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, on hard knocks last night calling out his team. Guys, we've got four games left, and uh, I'm just 
being disappointed as everybody else in this room. Uh, and I know that there have been a lot of post-game remarks about let's, let's everybody lock in and let's everybody dial in. Uh, I can see who's really doing it. I can also see where sometimes people are cutting corners. You know, that really affects your play on, on Sundays. We've got to finish strong. There it is. I, I mean that, that is pre- that. I mean that's pretty strong. I thought it had a lot of bite. You could see where guys are cutting corners, and also the audio there doesn't do it justice. If you saw his face, anybody that watched it last night, or whether you watched it this morning, you saw the look on his face. He's not a happy guy. You know, when you watch Hard Knocks, you realize the the f bomb is said free, quite frequently and freely mm. uh, in an NFL organization, uh, in the locker room, the coaches' room, on the field. But the way Mike Bidwell used it there, it, it had a little it had a little oomph. And I want to be real clear on this: when he said prior to the, you guys are cutting, some of you guys are cutting corners. He said, "I hear a lot of talk after the game." about going out there and being a pro and doing this. In other words, the way I took that to Gambo was, I'm hearing a lot of talk, but I'm not really seeing it. Okay? Talk yeah, is talk cheap. Yeah, talk the talk, walk the walk. Yeah, you guys are talking the talk, and I'm hearing you guys yap, yap, yap about this. Got to hold guys accountable. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to play for each other in one game at a time. You know, we're just worried about next week. We're not thinking about next right. year. Yeah, all of that stuff is talk. But I can see... That some of you guys are, I can hear, I, I hear all you guys saying the right things. This is the way I perceive it when I when I hear them and I see them saying this. I, I hear you guys saying all the right things, but I see some of you guys are cutting corners and it's affecting us on the field. And then he wished them all a merry Christmas and he walked out. And I tell you that 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 was that that might have been the best moment of hard knocks all season long because because it was real and it was emotional. And it was you guys like, are cutting corners, Merry Christmas, and then boom, right out the door. They're, they're pretty much. Pretty much. You know, they're probably, listen, there's no question, for a team to be this poorly, there are guys that are cutting corners. But, you know, some guys, when you get to the point in a season where your season is over and everything that you hoped for is not going to happen, come to fruition, you're not going to make the playoffs, you're not going to win a Super Bowl, you got to dig down deep inside and figure out, you know, I got there's a reason to play. And you could you could say paychecks all you want, but you know, you are these guys are pe- playing to win football games and get to the playoffs. Now, I've always noticed a lot of guys play more as an individual once the season's over than within the team concept because I'm going to get mine. I got to get my sack. I got to get my interception. I got to get my pass deflected. I got to get my my catch, you know, and try to get those extra yards because, like, you know, those numbers are what your agent's going to sell when he's out there looking to push you on the market to a new team and free agency. You know, when Mike says that you guys are cutting corners, you wonder, okay, how how might the the owner know that? Now he could make that own judgment with his own two eyes watching the team play. Well, he's in there watching film. Well, he's in there watching film. With the coach. Or the coach could tell him, these guys right here, these players are cutting corners. Or, and this is something we talked about earlier today, Mike Bidwell and the organization, you know, these guys are all given iPads. And this goes back to the Kyler Murray deal with the study clause. 
they know exactly how long guys are on studying game Absolutely. plans. Absolutely. Right? That's why they knew Kyler Murray wasn't on for very long. Exactly. Like, so, like compared to other players, like Kyler Murray spent little to no time on his iPad. Right. They track that stuff. They, they track know it. how long you're looking at the at the iPad that they give you. It's it's given to you by the team. I know. And it, That's they load everything on there. They load it on there. And then, you know, what they expect is they expect you to spend some time on your own. Looking at the plays, going over it, going back and forth on it, and that's why that homework clause was put in play because Kyler Murray's the numbers with him and the iPad were not very good. Mike Bidwell might get a readout every morning about who's spending time studying the game plan on their iPad and and how long they're doing it, and he might see a decline. And that's where he may get the cutting corners. They also know when guys are getting there and guys are leaving. So it it may it may be more than just Mike watching the game or Mike talking to Cliff. There might there might be other data he's receiving where he knows some guys are cutting corners. So now this is just a little speculation on our part, of course. But there 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 could be other ways besides the naked eye that Mike Bidwell knows that he's got guys out there cutting corners because that wasn't said like, hey, and if any of you guys are cutting corners, that was, hey, some of you guys are cutting corners. And it's hurting us on the field. Merry Christmas. I'm out. Yeah. I mean, it was, he, he's hot. But you, don't you think, like, and this is the thing that gets me on this iPad thing. You know that they can track you. You know that they know how much time you're spending watching film. They load these iPads up for you. So, so you why can, would you not do why it? Why would you not do it? Why would you not, like, why would you, you know, they, they see you. All right, they they they've got eyes. Uh, they know if you're on that thing, and I can't understand why a guy'd be like, "I'm not going to watch this at all." I mean, do you not care? Do you, are you a free agent? You're out of here, and it just doesn't matter. Because even then, like you know, maybe another GM calls you know somebody in your organization. Hey, you know, ah, guy doesn't put a lot of time and effort. And to be honest with you, man, he was never on that iPad looking at stuff. Oh, okay, maybe I don't go get that guy. So you can sit there and say, okay, I'm out of here. But like GMs talk to each other. Assistant sure. GMs talk to each other. Player personnel to guys talk to each other. Hey, we're thinking about signing this guy. What do you think, man? I'm going to tell you right now. He spent the least amount of time studying film on this team. The least. You know, they know. You know, you, they know how much time Tom Brady looks at the iPad. How much time Kyler Murray looks at the iPad. And there's a big discrepancy there. Yeah. But like, that's why it's baffling to me. If that's the if that's what now listen, Michael's been a game around the game for a long time. I don't think he needs to see that to understand who's hard cutting corners. He understands the game very well. Okay, he's grown up with the game. He owns. The, he knows. I think Michael can watch a game and make the determination on who's playing well and who's not playing well, who's cutting corners, who's not cutting corners. Or he just ask Cliff too. I mean, it's a simple meeting on Monday or Tuesday, right? Yeah. You can yeah. Do, they can do that too, well, Cliff, Cliff. Who's not who's not getting the job done? But that could back it up. You know that iPad thing can back up what you're Absolutely. seeing. Absolutely. You know when you see a guy that's not playing well, and you go and you say, okay, maybe this is why he's not playing well because he's not spending much time with the iPad. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th with the Stoke Strokes. Tickets are on sale now, but you can win a pair of tickets by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. He covers the. Suns for us on a daily basis. He's going to join us next. We'll talk a little Suns basketball with Khaled Olsen on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with 
Uh, geez, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So, as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas. Committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Southwest Gas, for allowing us to speak with Kellen every uh, once a week. Talk a little Suns basketball as we get set for the for a big game against Memphis, which I guess it doesn't really matter because John Moran just basically said that the Suns have no chance it's in the West. Over. It's just it's Memphis and, and the Celtics in the NBA Finals. That seems like a crazy thing to say out loud, but they're they're young and they just don't care. I kind of respect it. Well, come on. What Jaron Jackson said last year, that blew up in his face when Clay yeah. Thompson and the Warriors punked him in the playoffs. Yeah, they don't care. Wanna, I love it. Right. You want to talk the talk, you got to be able to walk the walk. They're not able to walk the walk yet. Not yet, but they're... You can say all you want. You talk all that trash, but then when you lose, you get punked by Clay Thompson. Sometimes you respect someone kind of being naive, you know? I, I respect it. The you, na- respe- you respect that, huh? I just, they don't care. Like, they were talking, the big story that mm. blew them up was when they were talking trash to LeBron, and LeBron was like, why is Desmond, that you've been here a year in the league, why are you talking to me? <laughs> right. And then Freaking Desmond Bain was asked about it, and he's like, I don't care who it is. Moran says he's better than Jordan. I mean, come on. Well, let me ask you this, though, Kellen. Mm-hmm. Like, we're up 30 games in. Who's been the most impressive team in the West so far? Oh, there's a there's a lot of bunching up there. Yeah, New Orleans came into my mind first, but I, I like think New Orleans. But I think they came to mind first just because I don't think we considered them in the in the top tier and them kind of making this jump. Sacramento? I, they're they're in consideration Sacramento's as well. Sacramento's had a good so year. So when you factor in like expectations and where they were, I think those are the first two teams to come to mind. Sacramento's a really good call, Gambo. I I think it's Memphis just because I picked them to perhaps be in the play in picture because of the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury and a couple of other things that they lost Kyle Anderson and Anthony Melton just basically didn't replace them. They've just got young guys in their place and they're just they're cruising still. They're still a really really good at least regular season team right now. We're not going to see Desmond Bain tomorrow. Maybe Christmas. he'll be maybe. He'll He'll be back Tuesday. They're saying Christmas yeah, when Christmas he'll be back? against Golden State. They're hoping. Okay, he sent the, out some kind of cryptic tweet or something oh, like okay. that. So they're hoping. They haven't had him in a, in a long time. Was he yeah. seventeen games? He's seventeen. Yeah, he's he's played twelve. And, and he's their shooter. Like he's their yeah. guy. Like the other day, they started like outside of John Morant. They were against Denver. They were two and nineteen from three point range with everybody not named John Morant. Well, he's their number two, and and that's the crazy thing when comparing these two teams is that when I would say who has the better one two at Phoenix or Memphis, I would have laughed the other room and said. Phoenix. What are you kidding me? Of course, but Bain in those 12 game games averaging 25 a game, like he can not only run offense, like he can be a number one option wow. just for long stretches of a game well, right the now. the Suns have Mikael Bridges. They've got Jaron Jackson Jr. blocking shots, coming up with steals. That gets played out of his mind. He's going to be defensive player of the year if he keeps this he's up He's the favorite right now. Right now. He's got to be. He's the it, favorite. He's just, he's one of those guys, uh, I'm writing about it on the site, it's going to be up on AirsonSports.com later though. When, when you have a four like that, because we talk so much about being able to switch and all that kind of stuff, hang on, ball hand all this stuff like that's all well and good, but when you have a guy like him on the weeks, you, you want to put your Kelly Olynyk, you put your shooter out there at the four, or whatever, put him in the corner. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be waiting in that help side, and if you bring the ball to the rim, he is going to smack it into the third row. He's averaging over three blocks a game right now. He's been magnificent. Let's talk about Chris Paul yeah. on the second night of back to backs. Now three for eleven from the field. He did not make a shot in the first half. He was zero for five. He had a stretch in that game for about five minutes where he was lights out. 
five-minute stretch where he was really good. Got his legs under him. But overall, you know, you, we, we pay attention to this. You know, when you've got to play back-to-backs or play in every other day, Chris struggled in that game. Three for 11 overall. Didn't shoot three very well. Had the 11 assists, I believe, but only a few turnovers. What's your thoughts on him in those type of games? I entered the year thinking that rest management had to be in their vocabulary this year, but it's just it's just not going to be, and we're just at the point now where it's past not even semantics, but just the past the point of discussing it. Like he's going to play. It's just it's just the stage of this situation that we're in right now. He's going to play. He was asked about it again um, the other night, and he was just like, "I'm." I've always said he repeated his same philosophy, which is like, "I've missed so many games because of injuries that whenever I am physically able to, yeah. from a health standpoint, I am going to play." But Gambo, we've never been in these situations before. For where we've seen it clearly affect him until like last year, that Dow series, especially when they were playing every other day. This is the point now where if you start to see it physically, you have to start to at least consider it. And, and it doesn't make them soft. It, it makes them smart, if anything, if they do it. And they have the depth to to be able to handle it. Campaign's been wonderful as a starter. They don't right now, at least until he gets back. But they're in a position to be okay with him kind of doing that. And, and more so once they complete the trade or two that they should have coming here soon within the next two months, they'll be in an even <laughs> better spot too but we keep we keep saying oh, yeah. I, I we have a running gag on our on our podcast where we end the podcast by saying hey is jay crowder gonna get traded this week and then we both predict and we both say no every time and maybe we'll say yes the week before the trade deadline when it probably happens but it just feels like we're gonna keep waiting and waiting all right what happened on the end of the bench at the end of the game the other the other night let me let me let me let me phrase it to you let me put it to you this way where are you in terms of uh, how big of a deal it was. And let's just focus on Monty and D.A. because that's what everybody's talking about. Uh, where are you between the Sun stance, that no big deal, it was just a family argument, and Charles Barkley's stance, the sky is falling, this team is nowhere close to a championship. you got to be somewhere in between, right? I'm going to decline the invitation you said to keep it to Monty and D.A. because that was more of a D.A. and Bridges thing. It wasn't even a Monty and D.A. I thing, agree. really. So that, that's kind of me, talk to him. That's kind of my answer. But to, anyway, to that sort of point... Um, it appeared the DA screwed up on a screen. That's at least how I interpreted it. A couple of times post game, he referred to screwing up on a play. Me and Dwayne Rankin from the Arizona Republic asked him, like, hey, well, what was the play? And then he was being as goofy, jovial stuff as always. Like, you guys watch the game. You're experts, right? You guys can figure it out. And then he gave us the hint that it was before the huddle and everything went down. So we went back and watched and we deduced that he messed up on a screen. Mikel was pointing at the other end of the floor while he was quite honestly just bickering with him. And they, and they were bickering back and forth. And then it extended over to that huddle. And that's where you saw Monty Will. Williams, and you can see Monty's he points hot. at DA and he points at Mikel, and he's. I assume he's saying, like, no, it's not just you, DA. It's like both of you just need to stop with this bickering and arguing on the court. That's not what we do. It's not what it's about here. And I mean, you guys know Mikel and the type of personality that he is and the charisma that he has and how lovable of a guy that he is. And DA is like that too. But for Mikel to be the guy, to he snapped at two different points in that game. In the second quarter, too, I wrote about it on the site. He was turning around at the defense and like yelling some stuff out and pointing at spots on the floor. I asked him about it after the game, and he said, it had to do with me first of all, and I was I was mad at myself for how I was defending, but all of us as well. Like we just weren't connected, and that's where I look at Mikel reacting that way specifically, and that's where I react more than anything else. But the money DA thing, like I'm I'm putting zero into it with those two specifically, but I think there's more of a conversation there when you talk about Mikel and DeAndre. Yeah. So, to Barkley's point. I think I don't think I look at this team right now and pencil them into the Western Conference Finals. Not not right now. Not, I mean, not, now yeah, maybe not as if they constructed. Yeah, not I as they're presently constructed. I, I don't. You know. I don't. You know. I don't know if they're a first round out or a second round out. Um, but to sit there and just 
say, okay, they, you know, they're going to make it to the to the Western Conference Finals. The way they're constructed right now, I just, I think other, th- I think things have to happen. Yes. You know, for them to put themselves in a position where I could say, okay, I'm confident that this team will be one of the four remaining. Would you both agree that last year heading into the playoffs, you would have had them as a clear favorite against everyone but Golden State? And Golden State to you was probably still a coin flip. Maybe you picked the Suns sure. or whatever. You would have agreed. 100%. Now, I think it's a coin flip or the other team is the favorite in, what, five, six matchups maybe? Dallas is just a bad matchup. New Orleans, and they didn't even have Ingram in those games. Memphis would probably be favored ahead of them. Golden State's going to suffer here. Yeah. I look. See, at, I think Denver's a good matchup for them. Yeah, because DeAndre handles Jokic yeah. really well. So I think that that is a favorable matchup for the Suns. That's so, a bad matchup. So for even Denver. if we settle on three, okay, you're Memphis, getting you, New Orleans, Dallas, because that's just a terrible. And then we'll matchup. see with the Clippers and the Warriors, who were the two Goliaths we thought coming in. But that's the first round right there. So Clippers you get by the beat first the round. Hell out of the Celtics. They did. Yeah, beat the hell out of them. You can get by those three teams in the first round, but you're playing one of them in the second round. So you're not getting the West Conference Finals out facing one of those three teams where you feel like it's a coin flip. So I've been saying, I was asked on one of the shows earlier, just what do you see as the ceiling right now? And, and I've been saying second round. I just think they need additions and they need to get healthy because they need to get healthy to help some of their guys find a rhythm right now because the lack of bodies right now in the last three weeks is clearly affecting the rhythm of multiple guys. I have not ruled out Kyle. I've ruled out a lot of guys yeah. for the J crowd trade. I've not ruled out Kyle Kuzma, although I think it's very unlikely they get him just because, like, what, what would Washington... Washington doesn't want Jay Crowder. They're going to want, you know, give me something good. But watching Kuzma play, just talk about the player and what he brings to the table, is that not exactly what the Phoenix Suns would need right now? Did you see how much he was doing off the dribble all night? Exactly just, what yeah. they need. Inside the lane, he was getting to those floaters, getting to those hook shots. He was punishing mismatches in the post. You watch him grab and go off of breaks. He's exactly what they need. He's not a lights-out shooter by any means, and he takes bad shots from time to time. But you look at the athleticism, the length, the size that you get from that type of scoring as well. They just don't have that. How many times have we talked about like their, their matchup problems with guys like Kawhi Leonard on the higher end and on the lower end, Harrison Barnes, those big, muscular kind of wings and lengthy wings. And they just didn't really length. have anyone. And he gives you the, one of those guys. I think he would be perfect and I, I wouldn't even hesitate at giving up a first-round pick for him. I wouldn't even hesitate at giving up two right now, and that's a guy who could be a rental, but I'm in I'm in championship win-now-right-now now mode, and that is the great divide amongst everyone else, how much you are willing to give up right now. That's what I said yesterday. Uh, your Chris Paul window is right now. I mean, you got to go after it if it takes a first-round pick. I, I didn't say two, but if you say two, I'm all in on Kuzma. Because they don't want Jay Crowder. They would want draft capital. They don't want Jay Crowder. Yeah. Weren't they sniffing around Crowder with the with a different trade, the with the Wizards, weren't they? they Mark Stein reported that there was a package that the Suns turned down that potentially involved Rui Hachimura, but Hachimura is not a good player right now. Of course, the Suns would turn that down. It makes no sense. They want to get back not only like a legitimate piece of their rotation, but I think someone in the higher end who you would look at as a starter. Like they've said that Cam Johnson's basically their sixth starter for a million times. They would want someone like that to that effect. All right. Kellen, always appreciate you joining us on the program. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. uh, Thank you. We'll check in with you in a couple weeks. All right. That's Kellen Olsen, our Suns insider who joins us every week talk a little Suns basketball. Speaking of basketball, I watched a game last night. The only thing I could think of was the sound of silence. We'll talk about that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You start the game? 
You're on the road. You're top 25 in the country. Top 25 in the country. Not anymore. You play in San Francisco. Roberts hits a three. Coonan hits a three. The Australian kid. Meeks hits a three. Coming back from the injury. It's 9 nothing. Like, okay. Hawthorne has a put back. It's 11 to 2. Bucket by Marcus William in the foul. 14 to 2. Hawthorne gets a steal and a fast break dunk. It's 16 to 2. Arizona State starts the game shooting 1 for 10 and they're 1 for 14 after a couple more misses. A dunk by Markovecki and it's 26 to 3. And then Roberts hits a jumper. It's 28 to 5! 28 to 5! You're 25th in the country, you're down 28 to 5 on the road! Can't believe it! Alright. I think a lot of people will wait to see if I to that. <laughs> this slow white guy comes crawling in just right in between all you. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, thank you. Take the ball, I'm gonna dunk it! 28 to 5! 28 to 5! I have been waiting for three, four years for somebody to get down 28 to 5. And it's ASU basketball when they're 25th in the country. And they're playing San Francisco. The San Francisco treat. What did they have, Rice Aroni for breakfast? Was Bill Russell on the court? Bill Cartwright, was he playing? Casey Jones playing? I think Bill Cartwright was there. Four years I've been waiting for somebody to get down 28 to 5. And last night... Roberts hits the jumper. It's 28 to 5. So you know what I did? I shut it off. And I put on the Paul Simon home, uh, Homeward Bound special. <laughs> ah, I wanted to watch it, Paul Simon. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, I can't watch this. The game's over. It's 28 to 5. And I'm thinking, all right, I knew this was coming up. I recorded this just a little, uh, like a week ago. I saw Paul Simon, two-hour special. Thinking, all right. And I put it on. They open up with a little coat of chrome. Come on, you know this one, Rayna. Crank this up right here. Did Garfunkel I can read the writing on the wall. That's not Garfunkel. Coat of chrome. Give us the dream, dreams of summers. Makes you think all the world in a sunny day. Oh, yeah. I got a knock on camera. I love to take a photograph. It's the mama don't take Jesus Christ, get this guy in vacation. Oh, hey. I told on a Paul Simon special. It was 28 to 5. I don't know what's worse, your skiing or Arizona State's performance. My last skiing? Night. My, your singing. I'm a good skier. <laughs> what do you mean I'm a great you're, singer? You're, well, the greatest. I'm a great singer. Great Did you not hear that voice? I could be on like the voice or something. I could have probably won. I'd rather have you out there than one of the Suns players. I'd rather have you. I'm watching you. I'd rather have you. You're moving faster than DeAndre Ayton. Oh, my God, ASU. And that's not very fast. Oh, man, 28 to 5. 28 to 5. ASU clobbered on the road by San Francisco. Absolutely blown out of the building, Les. And you know what the sad part is? Here's the sad part. I watch all the U of A games. Much better program. ASU's off to a really good start. What did I say yesterday, Mitch? What did I say? What did I say I was going to do? Remember? You're going to watch the game? I'm going to watch the game. 
I'm going to watch ASU basketball. I don't watch a lot of ASU basketball. I watch U of A, the more dominant program. I like U of A basketball. I'm like, I'm going to give ASU a chance here. I'm going to give ASU a chance here, and I'm going to watch them. 25th in the country. You know what? They deserve They deserve some pub. 28 to 5. Well. I've been waiting for four years for somebody to get down 28 to 5. Well, I watch them all the time, and they've been playing much better prior what to What the hell happened yesterday? Night. You want to know what happened? The broadside of a barn yesterday. You want to know what happened? Yeah. Bobby Hurley scheduled that game on purpose because he wanted to schedule a true road game right before Christmas because he thought that would be a good way to get their attention. Guess what? It backfired. Wow. He didn't get their attention. You know, Fran Fraschilla, the old coach, now broadcaster, often says the most dangerous game a coach can have before Christmas break is that game because a lot of times teams go on Christmas break a few days early without telling their coach. And that's what happened last night. Those players were out to lunch from the get-go. It was, and it um, was awful. And they were down mm, by 40 at one point. Yeah, I charted it. I mean, you could see, I've got my notes in our email. I charted the game. I like, I'm, I'm like, okay, like I'm done. I'm done. I got a Paul Simon special. I'm going to go watch that. I gotta go watch, you know, singer songwriter Paul Simon and a tribute to him and had a bunch of people singing songs and uh I'm like, all right, Dave Matthews band I think was out there. I'm like, right, I'm gonna watch it. I'd rather watch this than watch ASU get beat by by forty. Just, they got beat by forty. It's just tough. It's right before Christmas. You go on the road, you're playing in that little band box. Twenty fifth in the country. Shouldn't that motivate you? Yeah, well, yeah. You're twenty fifth. Sometimes gamble Santa Claus wins and teams look at the NBA last night. Some of those guys were on Christmas. How about the break. Nets game? Yeah, I mean, there, there were there were blowouts. The Nets and the Warriors? There were blowouts across the league last night. I'm telling you, so these guys these guys have their have have their they got Christmas presents on their mind. They got Christmas, they got the holidays. This late December basketball, man, you see it year after year, you see a lot of blowouts. And I know Bobby was trying to keep his team focused by taking him on the road, and it backfired. And he was he was Bitten nails last night. He was. Oh, so he pissed. was so angry. He was. I so, mean, he was so mad. And he so like he. You know, look. He nine nothing. They take the timeout. Uh, actually, the first basket that ASU had was tipped in by our San Francisco player Meeks. Their first basket wasn't even scored by ASU. It was scored by by San Francisco. What are you laughing at, Mitch? It's true. The first basket ASU had was tipped in by a player on the San Francisco. I watched. I watched. See, I watched the game. <laughs> no, I mean, just like, of course, of course, that's how it happens. Yeah. And by the way, when it was twenty-eight to five, they, three of those points for free throws. I mean, they had one basket with about seven minutes to go in the first half. I mean, that, yeah. they could not put the ball. They could. They no. They were one for fourteen to start they, the they game. Were one shooting. for fourteen to start the game. It I was. Mean, uh, it was. It was an embarrassing performance. And yeah, you know, I do feel bad because I know they're better than that. And I'm, but I was really like, I'm going to give them a shot here. I'm going to give ASU a shot. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch this game. And little did I know that they were going to end up. You know, listen, I, I do rant sometimes, or I go on a rant when I'm really upset. And I get passionate, and it's hard to do those a lot because it takes like you know. I don't it takes, you, don't have a heart attack. On it takes again. a lot yes, out of I you. Know. You worry me now at your age. So like a lot of people refer to the twenty. What, what's the, the Alex Avila rant? You ever hear that one? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've had some. So I'm like, you know, twenty eight to five. I've been waiting for somebody to be. Down. I was said the next time somebody gets down twenty eight to five, I'll do another rant. I got thirty four to nothing. She goes, "Why are you so angry?" I go, "I have to watch this. I have to watch it." Yeah. I didn't watch last night after it was 28 to 5. I seriously turned on the Paul Simon special and watched that. The sounds of silence, Kodachrome, 
50 ways to leave your lover. Bobby Harhurley was thinking of 50 ways to leave his basketball team last night. Uh, hop on the bus, Gus. Don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, Lee, and set, set yourself, yourself free. free. <laughs> Slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. Don't but, need to be coy, Roy. Yeah, just listen to me. Bobby Hurley's thinking, how do I get out of here? Is there 50 ways to leave this basketball team? All right, the 4 o'clock reset. We'll get you caught up on everything going on in sports next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hello, I mean, I needed to take a shower when I got home.